Fisabi Anumi, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Arabic for he is in the seventh sleep. Oh, yeah, of course. We all know that. Come on, man. You're getting so trite with these idiots. I'm sorry. Like, Everyone knows that is used when someone is about to be overpowered or if what? they fall asleep quickly. Uh, the idiom in English is down for the count. Down for the count. Uh, what is it? In the seventh in sleep. In his seventh sleep. Yeah. Down for the count. Seventh sleep. Wow. Yeah. I love and, it. And uh, to hear Mercedes tell it, we may as well write them <laughs> off completely for this season. You know how these things go. Uh, exactly. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? <laughs> I'm doing good. I hate that we had to wait two weeks after the first race. That seems cruel and unusual. They should give us a double header right at the start, especially when they're so close. You could, you could it, I bet if you took the distance of the Bahrain Grand Prix and plotted it as a straight line, you'd probably end up close to Jeddah. It, it surely can't be that far. <laughs> it's not a, not appropriate. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh, just already starting to be overwhelmed by the amount of nitty-gritty F1 news uh, we are getting on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird time of the year to be like already in the doldrums of like inner team turmoil. I know. Like, what's, what's so weird about this? What's it's been one race? Can everyone just calm down? This is a very long season. Yeah. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, hey, we've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains from bottom to top how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that to catch up, uh, that is episode 216. Mm. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Denny? Yeah, shout out to all the folks who signed up in the past couple of weeks. It's been fun seeing you all join. A lot of people went annual as well. You can do annual patronage and you get like 8% off as well. You get a free month basically. So uh, that was cool. Thank you all. Uh, welcome to the wonderful world of hundreds of podcasts about lots of different movies and other stuff. Uh, we're going to do Drive to Survive Season 5. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times now. So um, expect to see that in the feed in the not too distant future. And a massive thanks to all of our incredible title sponsors. My wife, Sharon. Alex Medina, Kickaha of the Arsh, at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, IronStation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Enzo and Ayrton, Octothorpe Bunny Crimes, Sniggs, Alex Goucher, MVKB.com, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research, our favourite clinical research, Lachlan the Madden Man, and of course, Jason Kelly. Thank you all. Fantastic. Danny, as you mentioned, Drive to Survive will be the next one, but we have already slated in for the following month, April, uh, a IndyCar primer. Oh. Uh, and I am here to tell you, I already have a document going. It is 12 pages long. <laughs> have you? Yes. Steer the Phoenix, baby. Oh, oh that's oh. right. That's right. I, I, I can't wait to see this thing. I would like page one, t- the time, the mid 1990s, the place, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <laughs> Tony George has decided Cart is too big for its britches. <laughs> oh man, yeah, lots to get into in that um, uh, story. So yeah, if you would like to Fair hear that, play, sign up for Patreon. Um, yeah. 
All right, but we're not here to talk about IndyCar just yet. It's Formula One time. Kicking things off, uh, as I mentioned in Arabic, things are going on at Mercedes, Rob. Yeah, uh, so we'll start with Mercedes just because they've generated so much uh, news in this last cycle. (laughs) You know, obviously, uh, coming out of the last race, they were already, they came out of qualifying saying that, well, we we fucked it, boys, and it's time to to bag this car and move on. Uh, But that is, if, you know, despite some positive, uh, you know, we'll come together as a team messages from Hamilton at the end of that race and the usual, like, united front that we are used to seeing from teams, especially Mm. Mercedes, uh, you know, then Lewis got on a microphone uh, with the checkered checkered flag, uh, which I think is a uh, BBC podcast. BBC podcast, Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, basically uh, had a little, uh, you know, cri de coeur uh, as he explained that Mercedes didn't listen to him is how he felt. He said, uh, last year I told them the issues that are with the car. Like, I've driven so many cars in my life, so I know what a car (laughs) needs. I know what a car doesn't need. And I... Think it's, and I think it's really about accountability. It's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? We didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be, and we've got to work. We've got to look into the balance through through the corners, look at all the weak points, and just huddle up as a team. That's what we do. We're still multi-world champions, you know. Uh, it's just they haven't got it right this time. They didn't get it right last year, but that doesn't mean we can't get it right moving forwards. You know, it, it ends on a positive note, but again, considering where <laughs> Mercedes has been, considering that Lewis is generally a, like, his brand is, like, uh, positivity and, like, coming together and, and end up lifting. The first part where it's like you didn't listen to me is a little bit more like um, headset radio, Lewis, I suppose, like mid-race Lewis, right. uh, where it's like you guys have sent me out here to die. And it's unusual to get that Lewis uh, when he's had sort of time to collect himself and he's talking to the press. So I think it's very, you know, like, to me, this reads a very pointed statement, but either way, it's very unusual. Yeah, it and also kind of sounds a little bit like he's walking it back slightly. Maybe he's like, oh. Yeah, sure like he heard it halfway through the statement <laughs> and was like, eh. But to, to be fair, it does seem like a fair point. Uh, you know, again, we covered this last year, last last week, but... It is very odd that they decided to iterate on the W13 concept, given the the pain they had with it last year, and the fact that you know they had all but admitted they'd gotten it horribly wrong, and uh, the car needed to be sent to hell. Like I mean, you know, Toto was talking about we're going to enshrine this thing at headquarters so that we all know what failure looks like, and then you know they they roll out the W14, uh, sticking with that. Russell is, as you might expect from him, a bit more diplomatic uh, and and politic when it comes to this. Uh, you know, he he did say like, on the one hand, he is also out on the ledge, uh, making predictions that Red Bull is going to win every race, uh, mm. which would be very impressive, uh, given that statistically it's it, it's nigh on impossible. Uh, just get the vagaries of an of an F one season, but that's his prediction. There's just like you know, there's nothing that can challenge the Red Bull that this season is done uh, as far as that goes. But you know, he sort of acknowledged that there is the there's a tension between uh, giving up on competing for some period of time so you can get back in the championship contention either like, you know, late the season or really, like, down the road in the future uh, versus wanting to improve enough so that you at least have something to race for week to week. Uh, You know, he 
his diagnosis was, uh, you know, I think the only positive takeaway from all this at the moment is there's no fundamental problem with the car other than it's lacking downforce. And as silly as that sounds, that's probably one of the easiest problems to solve if you compare it to this time last year. We've gone from the car that was bouncing around the most to the car that's probably <laughs> bouncing the least. Because of the regulation change, we've just gone a step too conservative in that regard, and maybe we need to go back a few steps to gain some cheap downforce. Mm. Uh, so that is that is at least one line of argument that uh, Mercedes came into this too, too conservative uh, in, in the wake of last year, but... Ultimately, it's it's funny in the in the week between like since Bahrain. During that weekend, Mercedes was out there saying, "The W14 is is spent. We got to junk it and start over." Uh, Toto was hedging a bit in the week between, uh, saying that effectively due to budget cap concerns, they have to choose a car design. They can't. You can't design a backup design. Uh, you can't keep something in your pocket. Uh, you just don't have the R&D budget to spend on that. So whatever is the next thing they invest a lot of R&D resources in, it's kind of got to be what they're comfortable writing uh, the rest of the year and maybe into next year. Um, so that is, that's the, that's the thing that they were sort of juggling. But in a statement uh, like later, uh, Andrew Shovlin, who's sort of the technical chief over at Mercedes, did say that radical changes uh, are in the works. But he said those changes take time to turn to a faster solution in the wind tunnel. You can't do them overnight. There's quite a lot of development that you've got to do mm. around any sort of big change in geometry in that area. Uh, so even that is a little bit hedging. It sounds as if the plan is to put a new fundamental car design into like concepting with like CFD and then wind tunnel while they continue to like roll out marginal improvements uh, over the coming races. Um, weird side note in this, uh, Shufflin started a statement out by saying that <laughs> you hear Toto talk a lot about uh, the concept and, and what like this, like it just, it, it seems like Shufflin is rankling at the way the term the car concept has been thrown around either by Mercedes or just in the press, which I think is, is interesting. Like maybe he doesn't see it quite as, maybe uh, he thinks it's reductive or something like that. Yeah. It just, it was, it just jumped out at me. It's like, that was just an odd little line to draw where it's like, I wouldn't call it a car concept. I would, it just seemed like a very engineers, like uh, quietly something is, is stewing in the background. But then I think you also, you know, the last point on Mercedes, uh, you know, we've talked about their tendency to be very dramatic about corporate culture, the whole like total wolf enemy building stuff. Uh, they, after all this, like we're, you know, after all of this and, uh, you know, saying the team is not going to read too much in Hamilton's remarks that they're not going to uh, descend into finger pointing. They published an open letter, which is always the sign that things are going well. <laughs> they publish oh, yeah. a, and, and the longer the open letter, the better things are going. Uh, but, you know, this is sort of the tenor of it. Uh, it opens on Bahrain hurt. It hurt each one of us who head into every season determined to fight for world championships. It hurt the team as a whole after pouring so much hard work into a car that hasn't met our expectations. And we know it hurt you, our you hurt fans, me. too. You hurt me, Toto. 
your passion and support are so important in driving us forward. And we know that we and, and we know that we feel the same pain. The situation we face right now isn't the only isn't the one that any of us wanted, but it's the one we have. That's the reality of it. And the simple question the simple questions are what can we do about it? And what will we do about it? God, and it oh goes on. It just there. goes on like that. In You're that right. vein, it, it, the one thing is, I'll say, yeah, it's it's unbearable. I read it earlier. It was just like, what is this? It's I like did a forum appreciate they gave after a, somebody broke up with their girlfriend or something. It's just it it was in that vein. It was like you know. Uh, a player leaves a town he's played for years and years yeah, or something. Yeah. And it's like, thank you so much for, but the, the one thing I did appreciate in the statement is does end on the note of, by the way, don't be toxic shitheads to other people in the space <laughs> right, or yeah. to other teams or other teams fans. Like don't bring that energy, which I did appreciate, but just overall, it was a lot of, um, I don't know in the, there's a bit of like rending of garments with the entire thing and you know from this lowest of lows we will begin to build back up and it's been uh, one know. race i just want to remind everyone it's right been now. it's been one get, race you know, third or fourth in the championship yeah exactly so, yeah tenth. yeah aston martin right now are like are, are would sell their second born <laughs> for the chance to get second and mercedes I mean, like woe they, is us woe is us it's over the season's over we can't get first the season's over yeah, there is, there's, there's a bit of that, and I think I will say overall, like it, it does feel like in the era of the budget cap a little bit that teams do feel like everything is a bit pre, like maybe it's not even this, maybe it's been this way since, uh, you know, as as technical regulations got more involved, but you know unlike uh you know if we're comparing it to like traditional sports right where like it is a long season you know we've had effectively one round of of 20 uh 22 mm. 23 you know it's a long campaign and there will be ups and downs there the F1 paddock has has it like firmly fixed in mind that like fundamentally the season's course is set, is chiseled in stone from the first race and that might turn out to be true but i'm not sure that's a sign of a healthy sport in mm. in some ways if like if we have 23 rounds or or whatever and fundamentally even a team like mercedes is like well if we're not neck and neck with with red bull at the start then it's just it's done uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bu- worth pointing out that their goal is number one and if if that's yeah. not mm. you know yeah in the cards then then they are they do feel like they're sunk whereas like you know ferrari's like i don't know we I don't know. We're gonna stick around. Maybe, yeah, I guess I, maybe I, Fred, I said maybe a, Red Bull will fall I, apart. I, Who knows? I said it last week. I think to me it reads like a certain amount of like hubris could be had there. Like they could be a little bit more humble, maybe about just it's it's something to be saying. Like, well, we're we're we want to fight for the championship, and we went when last year you weren't fighting for the championship, and this year you're not fighting for the championship either. It's like you have to go. We have to go back a little time now before we go back to the when you were dominating it'll, it'll have been like two years so like maybe stop acting like you're the big boys when you have now shown us that you are not two years in a row like, well and i think I don't know. and i think to that there's a bit of like we can't be beaten we can only beat ourselves right like some of this yeah, like yeah uh, How convenient <laughs> yeah like like some of this like uh wailing and gnashing of teeth ha- has a little bit of like 
we all know we're the best and we right, should be yeah. winning this. But obviously, it is our failure that has caused other teams to have good ideas and execute right. better than we did. Yeah, and maybe that's like, the winner's mentality. Like, maybe that's what you need to be. I think, to, I think to, it's totally. I don't mentality. know. You know, mm. like I like in some ways, I think like the you know we we've sort of had had a bit of a tongue in cheek reaction sometimes to his. Um, like masterclass excesses, I think is the way I would put it. The way like there's there's a little bit of Tony Robbins to Toto. And sometimes it comes out and like when things are going really well, you'd be like, well maybe that's just what it takes. But when things are a little bit like turbulent, like they are now, some of these moves feel a little bit a little bit much. Um but you know, on the other hand, there there's other ways things can go at other teams, mm-hmm. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Because I can't tell if Ferrari's having purges. It's really or weird. if people are like diving out of the plane as yeah. it like goes crashing toward the earth. Isn't that um, that's kind of the thing, right? So like, I, I, and again, it's weird that this is happening one race in. <laughs> so so you're like, what's going on that we can't see at Ferrari? Because clearly something's happening. Because like you said people are getting out of there and there's been a lot of reporting in the Italian press a lot of you tend to get leaks when <laughs> the ship is sinking you know it's <laughs> you know it's kind of it's it's a bit you know people don't complain even if they're complaining vaguely they tend not to if things are going right but if there's discontent then that's what's happening that appears to be what's happening Danny when I talk about this next part while I talk about this next part I would love it if you could just look up what's the what's the soccer club that Elkan owns because uh, remember, like there's a there's a there's a soccer club that also like went to went absolutely haywire. Is it AC Milan uh, in the last few months uh, that he's involved with? But oh, it's Juventus, probably. Is it? Oh God, no. is it Juventus? Let me look it Maybe. up. Maybe what's his uh, name? I've, Who owns it? Who owns it? Uh, Elkan, E L K A N N. Um, but yeah, he's the he's sort of the the scion of this. Oh, yeah, his family. It's, Ju- it's Juventus, right? Oh, yeah. man. So all that stuff that, I, yeah, I, there was, we talked about this last year as well. I remember there was all the. Well, it was around the Bonato departure stuff that like right. some of it was he, he got a foul of, of Elkan. But to, to take us back to Ferrari. So like coming out of Bahrain, Leclerc gave a pretty measured assessment of where things are at with, uh, with Ferrari as opposed to Red Bull fundamentally. Their tire degradation, Ferrari, is much, much worse than at Red Bulls. But his concern is that that may not actually because, like, that may not be driven by, like, anything inherent to the car having worse deg, like, just inherently it's how it's designed. But just because the car doesn't perform well enough that to keep the Red Bulls in view, the Ferrari drivers are having to push really hard. And whereas the Red Bull drivers are like able to just slowly bring those tires in and ride them forever. And they were sandbagging in. I'm not sure if you've heard the radio since of what was going on in Bahrain, but um, both engineers for them were basically telling them to come down a lot. Like, no, no, you're, you know, you're okay. Like set them here, set these times here. Come, come, come a little closer. We don't need to go that fast. Boy, Um, 
more impressive than winning every race would be the first team to make it on three power units uh (laughs) by the way that actually that is the new achievement (laughs) you should get like 10 extra points for that (laughs) yeah uh for for sure so you have a clear like so like ferrari are not where they want to be obviously there are concerns since then uh, their head of, uh, like, their technical director, I think, or a senior technical figure, uh, David Sanchez, leaves the leaves the company. And it was not clear in the reporting whether or not this was, like, someone jumping or someone being pushed. Because it, it, there have also been things coming out of, uh, like, Ferrari that, like, Vasseur was doing. As you would expect, he's doing a top-to-bottom review of, like, what's working, what isn't. So this is why... Uh, Rueda uh, was sort of <laughs> limoged to the Ferrari factory uh, out of his Ferrari uh, strategy role on the on the pit wall. Uh, you know, coming into coming into this year, but uh, Sanchez, Sanchez, by the way, is the the head of vehicle concept. That word again. Concept. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The concept. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if he left because he didn't like his title. <laughs> Uh, like vehicle concept. What is this concept? He, he and Andrew Shovlin they keep so, calling so him concepts. What so a, reductive. I know. I'm going to come work for you. <laughs> so, but ultimately, like this is a Bonato guy. Uh, this is someone who was, you know, part, like in Bonato's uh, lead, leadership circle. Uh, you know, part of his his technical crew, and you know, like as the team sort of began to field good race cars again, David Sanchez got some got some credit before uh, that. He is leaving in a place like Autosports gloss on this is he, even if he leaves right now, chances are he's going to be uh, on gardening leave effectively, like running out his contract with the team before he can take off offers and, and start somewhere else. But like it's another departure that if it is if it was involuntary, it indicates there's a house cleaning going on. If it was him just pulling up stakes and bailing, that indicates that like a significant part of the company may not be on board with either Vasur in the program he wants to run or whatever Vasur is fronting uh, within the team. And Danny, like right before we got on the on the call, you were saying that like there are currently untranslated as of yet articles coming out of the Italian press, but like there's indication that uh, there are people in Ferrari basically bagging on the state of the team. Yeah, it sounds like I watched there was a video on the race on their YouTube channel. Yeah, I watched it of, too. Yeah, it was really good. They jumped into some of this. And basically it all sounds like it stems from discontent with uh, Benedetto Vigna, who is uh, the head Ferrari guy, basically, right? And there was the whole, over the years, as we have talked about, there is a sort of a, there's always been a question of what Ferrari does with the F1 team. Does it sort of... Um, you know, get its hands in there a little bit, or does it sort of operate on its own? And it sounds like maybe the sort of the 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 way it was before, which is having maybe a bit more autonomy, is being um, challenged, and that's where some of the discontent is coming from. Um, but yeah, it sounds like Vasura is just kind of caught in the crossfire here. This sounds like this is very much people he had nothing to do with him uh, from from what those reports have been saying, and that it's largely people who were from the previous. Um, system sort of reacting to the way things are changing and I think we it was funny we mentioned a couple of weeks ago it was Laurent Mekis who is the guy who's in Drive to Survive a bunch the sort of grey haired guy with glasses um, yeah 
Uh, he apparently also looks like he might be going. The apparent, according to some sources, he has multiple offers at places like Alpine um, and even the FIA. So just another one uh, to add to it. But yeah, it sounds like the the sort of the, what they were saying was more. It wasn't so much the content of the leaks. It wasn't like there was specific things being said. It was more that there was a lot of these coming out, and you know the way the Italian press works. Like they will have people in these places who will you know talk to them if they're not if they're feeling um troubled or if they aren't happy with the situation it just kind of sounds like that people are pissed and probably because of whatever direction is happening at the top and then Vasseur went to the french press and sort of gave his take on events which was like uh more just like owning there's some disarray but not but not like fueling it uh not not right. not, not indicating that uh it, it does not sound like he went so far as to say, like, the stories coming out of the Italian press are just pissed off malcontents uh, who are dumping on the team. Uh, but he's sort of, it seemed like his tone was more, this is going to be a pain, like, we're in a tough spot. Um, right. Was was kind of the vibe I, I got from uh, the the gloss put on his statements. But, yeah, it's, it's all, it all looks a bit like, uh, you know, a, a, a team in, in sort of a familiar a familiar sort of disarray uh you know in, yeah. in, in some ways like it reminds me a bit of uh late Montezemolo yeah uh where he's sort of trying to reassert himself I think within the team as his cast of collaborators moved on uh tote Braun etc et uh but yeah I mean this this does just remind me of Back when the rumors about Bonato being let go were were going around, uh, you know, Dieter Dieter Rankin at at times he's a F one journalist that I, I read a lot. At times, he, like he writes a bit like a a bit of a gossip column at times, but it also seems very well sourced. And he was one of the people who called out early that, for instance, the Porsche Red Bull thing may not be as done a deal as people were thinking. And he turned out to be very right on that call. But his take you know, on all of this before everything finished playing out was that Elkan's like an inveterate meddler. Uh, and he's, you know, he's, <laughs> oh, he's really? an heir to the Agnelli family, uh, like a sort of a wealthy Italian industrialist family. Mm. And he sort of inhabits this role by, by dint of that, by, by, by dint of that like familial connection. And like, uh, Benedetto Vigna is like his guy, but he's a semiconductor guy from back in the day. And it was like always kind of an odd pick to bring him in to run Ferrari. Uh, and then, you know, in the background, El like thing, all hell breaks loose at, uh, you know, Juventus, um, which correct me if I'm wrong, is that a, is that a spending scandal again? Like that their books are, they were like sort of the cheating the, the current books. one, I believe, is. Um, I'm trying to remember what the one when they got relegated was. That was that part of the. I think that was a similar. Was I can't because there was also a referee. Um, oh God. Uh, yeah, there were hire. Yeah, they were hiring referee. They were. I forget what it is. My brother will kill me. My brother's a huge Juve fan and he watches Syria to death and wants to live in Turin and. All. But like the entire, <laughs> so but the entire board of directors for. Yeah, for that uh, team, like resigned last year. Yeah, uh, in, in the wake of this, so like there's there's kind of a like a, and that's where Arriva Bene was, right? 
that's where he ended up, right? And Ravenna yeah. was yeah yes. one, of, one of his guys. Uh, so once once again, uh, sort of a a resignation. So there's a bit of like a the through line right now certainly is that where Elkan sort of like you know sticks his oar in, chaos follows, <laughs> and you know maybe. Maybe Vasor is the guy to put this to right, but it does seem like maybe this was a much more fraught situation than he anticipated. Or maybe this was his way in. You know, maybe he, you know, he knew that Elkan wanted a guy that would be more directly responsive to him, and Vasor was willing to mm. be that person um, for in exchange for. I mean, the shot surely at he knew. Ferrari. Surely these guys talk, right? He must, right? Yeah, like it seems. I don't know. I can't imagine that level of. Like there have to be some sort, yeah. I feel I just feel sorry for Ferrari fans because it's just it's kind of like, oh great, all over again. It's and it like, feels like you were so yeah. close, you know. Yeah. Dernicale, so... Arriva Bene, uh, Benato, like it's since since the Halcyon days of Jean Todt, Ferrari have not had like any stability. It's been these like three or four years of oh, it's the rebuild. Here we go, it's the rebuild, and then you know they don't, I, yeah. Like you have to Here's ask a guy the question. To come take the the you know the supports away from the rebuild. Right, well, it's like, like that's, through. At a, at a certain point, you have to wonder if it's more damaging to create a new order than it is to like wait it out or something. You know what I mean? Like especially if it's happening again, like it must just be exhausting. Well, it's like it's like one of the cruel traps in sports, right? Is that instability drives failure but then failure drives instability and it can be hard to get because it just gets hard to get out of that death spiral yeah. of why aren't things working uh they're still not working we better shake things up at the top that's, it's that's time why for them to work and that's why i'm worried a little bit I may, 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 actually and maybe i'm wrong maybe this is maybe mercedes is what they're doing is the good thing is that they're just you know keeping the stable stable and then and trying to make a new thing but but that's what i worry about is what you said with mercedes is that like when you're not winning it's hard but, to tell what what's going in the right direction if you're not if you keep doing things that are doing the opposite but this is the other thing like it's just so hard to tell with f1 right like i mean so the like yeah the car is not where where they want it to be and to an extent like it's it's always hard to parse like how much is the actual car that is fielded a trailing indicator of maybe the last regime, right? Like, is right. this like, yeah. Yeah. does Ferrari's performance this year indicate that however nice a person he might have been, however like smart he might be about technical yeah. stuff, that Bonato was not cutting it as a, you know, as the technical brains behind the team and mm -hmm. as like a team principal, he just wasn't getting the job done. Yeah, it's like politics. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, yeah, the economy, economics when a, with a new president, right? How's yeah. the economy doing? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's well, so hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, again, it's so strange to be talking about you know, this one kind race. of stuff one race one in race. to a new one team race. principal. Um, we should be talking about yeah. other things. Not Yeah, this is Well, the let's real... talk about some other things. Uh, yeah. A couple more fun <laughs> stories here. Uh, I, I pulled this one from Autosport about um, uh, F1's TV coverage. I just love talking, you know, cameras Talking and graphics TV. and stuff yeah. um they had an interview with f1's director of broadcast and media dean Locke, uh who highlighted some things that we're going to see uh coming up on uh, the Ooh. broadcast um they've apparently trialed some of these things uh, and maybe haven't talked about them yet um but uh apparently last year at the circuit of the americas the austin grand prix 
Um, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll came together in a crash, um, and they used uh, AI slow motion. So basically, like frame interpolation uh, oh, cool. for the slow motion replay. Because they have slow motion cameras, but apparently they're super expensive. I think they're like $400,000 a piece. So they can't have them everywhere. And this yeah. one happened on a long straightaway. So like not in a corner where you would expect something to happen. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. so You can actually see the, the AI interpolation. Um, but so how do you get it slow motion shot without a slow motion camera? You interpolate the frames using, I don't know computer voodoo which is um, what like you can do that in premiere right now but yeah. it's it takes a while so they must have it pretty down like they must have like a 4090 in there or something <laughs> maybe a couple yeah yeah <laughs> um another thing is the the augmented reality graphics where you you know you're following behind a car and you see the other driver in front's name pop up they're mm. trying to i guess put that uh into the helicopter shots as well so cool um look for that that's neat and yeah, like uh that. he also mentions quote maybe we can do a piece of elastic which i guess is probably like a you know a dynamic line between two cars so you've got a car comes in the pits and you're chasing the car around uh and it can feature the time ticking down between the two that i think Ooh, you know yeah. they they've gotten really good at like a car comes into the pits and they show the wide shot of the pit exit and then the the straightaway of the car uh that they're racing against coming to meet them at the pit exit, right? You saw this, you know, last week in IndyCar, especially. Um, but like, I think, for, especially for new viewers, to understand why that's important, uh, a graphic could help. So, uh, yeah, let's look nice. out for that. Uh, a few more onboard angles. I think we were actually talking about this um, last episode of the one before, uh, or the primer, um, with the fact that they only have uh, driver helmet cams on some of the drivers, and it, he. Mm points out here that it's because of bandwidth limits they can only do oh, six funny. to eight drivers at a time uh in addition to you know the onboard camera it's um uh it's it's a lot more bandwidth to also do the helmet cam um but they're looking at doing more cameras on board uh so get ready for feet shots feet shot. oh i th- they were in got some. drive They've, to survive Lando norris has uh feet yeah feet shots yeah for, him for a while uh and um perhaps looking up at the driver from the waist i don't know what necessarily you're gonna see there oh, maybe yeah, the weird. maybe their helmets going side to side through the turns I, I wonder if the helmet cam problem with the bandwidth is also that they will have to send much higher video for that because compression with that much micro motion in it is a nightmare whereas on the car it's fairly stabilized so you can go with like lower bit rate on that and it wouldn't be so bad because like yeah. most of the time yeah. the bottom part of the image isn't moving at all whereas if if it's a helmet cam it's going to be doing this well, like constantly yeah. and so also in addition to like dealing with that like stabilization problem the real point of the helmet cam cam is to draw out detail of what's happening in the cockpit, not the not the track action. Yeah, you that's know? true. It's yeah, like yeah. you 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 do not want to be losing the detail of like the driver's hands making motions because uh, that's really the value of the shot. And it's yeah. dark too. It's a tricky one. Like they need yeah. to, you know, it's not particularly well lit in there either. So they need to crank up that ISO or down. Uh, they also say that the uh, some further technical advances for this year should also help get F1 get access uh, to full onboard footage much quicker than has been the norm in the past. So up until now, it has taken until the Monday after the race for oh. some of the footage of specific moments to be available if they weren't broadcast live. So, so they're, they're, you know, they're recording on board and they yeah. have to then offload that footage. Uh, but apparently there's a faster way to do it. Maybe they got USB-C in there. Um, yeah. They have a network drop when they get back or something. Yeah. 
Uh, last two things here. Uh, the the <laughs> well, uh, th- three things. It was felt that some elements, like the AWS data, were too complicated for viewers to understand oh. when track action was taking place. Oh, that's why. It was the complexity <laughs> of the data, not the complete smoke and mirrors BS right. of the whole thing. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're rethinking that, but they're also uh, tr- going to trial something called um, the dilemma moment. And oh, I'll just read Jesus. what they have here. Sounds like a BBC daytime, like... Yeah. like uh, a prize show or something game show <laughs> the dilemma moment uh, FOM which stands for Formula One Management will prepare a key question that can be discussed by commentators and then potentially voted for by fans this could for example revolve around whether a driver should make an extra stop for tires or okay. go for a medium or hard compound in his final stop Log and if explains, it's Haas, they'll do it. <laughs> uh, we're going to brief the commentators and give them a few seconds warning. Then at the end of the race, we can answer the question, quote, uh, or colon, if the driver had pitted, he would have gained four places, for example. Wait a second. Uh, Dan, you may know these laws better than I do. Are there moves to make, like, instant prop betting, le- like, legal? Oh, we, oh right. Is it, al- is it already legal? Or In is it play coming? betting? Yeah, uh, it depends on the country, right? So that's a good point, though, because F one is not a because what that sure aren't... sounds like is yeah. a like who gives right. a shit about that feature? We're gonna like what we're gonna do like American Idol over like should this person pit right now? Who gives a shit? But if in a couple of years oh, they anticipate that a bunch of their markets, they're gonna be able to be like, uh, we think the odds of so and so pulling in here. Uh, for a pit stop are you know like the over, uh, yeah. th- three to one in favor, and we think this undercut is going to yield two positions. Uh, and boom, uh, you can take I, it straight to FanDuel. I cannot think of a worse <laughs> sport to do in-play betting on for the bookies. I mean, it's good for the bookies always because they set the you know <laughs> the odds, so it doesn't matter. But I can't. There is like the the inherent problem with F one, which is why a lot of these teams on week one are saying like the season's out, is that like it, things are fairly stable. It's not like a football game where like any team can have any given Sunday, right? It's not like that, or like baseball where it's even crazier. No, but that's like, why I, it's F- got to be prop bets, buddy. Yeah, like I guess. you're not gonna bet. Yeah, like right, cause no, there's not yeah. gonna be any action. Like, do you think yeah. Checo is gonna beat Max this week? Like, probably not. Yeah. But do you think Checo's like undercut that he's going to do in the next like? three laps is going you know what why don't you make it a parlay why don't you why don't you pick out like what lap you think checo is going to stop on and then does he get the overtake coming out of the pits look it's not like, like f1 audiences have lots of money to get rid of you know no, I mean? <laughs> perish the thought perish the thought so like that's when yeah. i when i hear that it just sounds so much like the groundwork being laid for i mean I don't blame you. That sport. Has I'm watching been watching it take over American sports. Like just oh, it's a, awful. a shocking degree. It's awful. Yeah. It's absolutely. It's but it's Premier League was the same way years ago. It's crazy. The deregulation when it came to that stuff in the UK in the past twenty years has been horrific. Not just not just in sports, but on the high. But remember, too. it's terrible. Bet responsibly. Only oh, yeah, uh, bet yeah. what you can afford yeah. to lose. Yeah. Now Hope this doesn't awaken anything. A dilemma no. moment. Yep. That is a dilemma moment. Should people bet on this race? Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, don't expect any more drones. He says they're too slow, which is <laughs> so great. Funny. That looked like garbage. <laughs> Don't do drones. That is true. Uh, uh, all right. Last story here. Um, speaking of Circuit of the Americas and American racing. America. NASCAR is coming back to Coda. Oh, yeah. And who's going to be there but the most American Americans? 
<laughs> Kimi Raikkonen and Jensen Button. Love it. Absolutely love it. Kimi does have strong American energy, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's racing now. He was in... Uh, yeah. He, he raced trucks. He uh, did. And he, he did race in at the Circuit of the Americas in NASCAR last year. I believe oh. he was punted out of the race about yeah. halfway through, which is a bummer. Hmm. Um, but he and Jensen Button will be returning. Uh, Jensen Button for his first time in a Cup Series car. Awesome. Uh, on the 26th of March. Uh, hey, that's coming up. Uh, and Jensen Button is also doing the inaugural Chicago Street Course race on the 12th of July and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course on the 13th of August. So he's... Well, um, this is... Isn't he also part of this, like, racing the Gen 3 NASCAR at Le Mans? Uh, like, I think he's part of that effort, too, where uh, they were promoting this heavily during the Daytona 500. Uh, not Daytona 500. Uh, the 20, Daytona 24. Uh, which is that, like because the new generation NASCAR is such a significant uh, shift for NASCAR and such a significant new uh, like racing car, it was sort of like, uh, what is it? The, 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 cl- the club that runs uh, Le Mans like, is allowed to like, extend invitations to notable teams and cars. Um, yeah, you're right. In this, this Autosport article, uh, it will be Button's first appearance in any division of NASCAR and comes a few months ahead of his planned assault on the Le Mans 24 hours in a, ne- in a next-gen cup car prepared by Hendrick Motorsports. I didn't know you could do that. You just mm. put a NASCAR out there? You can't, but you can get special dispensation for <laughs> okay. like what, is it, what amounts to a stunt. I would be Sorry, floored. Stock car, not a NASCAR. A stock car. I'd be floored if this thing does not get its ass kicked uh, at Oh, I mean, at, at he, Mans, he but... says, uh, obviously, racing a cup car is very different uh, than what I'm used to. It's a lot heavier with a lot less power and basically no downforce. Woo! It's got a sequential gearbox where you need to blip the throttle, so there's lots of stuff to learn in a very short space of time. Oh, yeah. Throttle. Never thought about that. Boom, boom, boom. I guess you only have to use it when, at the start. You never use it again, right? <laughs> Just pedal to the metal. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, guess he's on the road control course. control on. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's doing road courses. I, I imagine, like, Jensen Button has driven so many different weird cars. Um, Just I, like Hamilton. I've driven lots of cars. <laughs> I'm the best I'm the best car <laughs> driver. Uh, all right. Let's move on from news to Saudi Arabia, Danny. Jeddah. The Jeddah Corniche Circuit in Saudi Arabia. Get used to it, because that one with the fish tank... This haven't started yet, so we're going to be stuck here for a bit longer. Um, Jeddah is the fastest street circuit in the world, and therein lies why this is both a fun race weekend and also uh, F1's biggest accident waiting to happen. This is an interesting circuit. We had it for the first time in 2021 near the end of the season, Um, and then we had it again in 2022 really near the start of the season. And the issue there was that after the first race, um, some of the drivers wanted some safety changes made, but they didn't really have the time to sort of research and implement them. They made some tweaks here and there, but largely the circuit was the same. They ran it out some corners and stuff. I can't remember exactly what it was. This I think they also were like, hey, can you not have missiles near us? Yes, And they, exactly. they ignored that one too. Yes, can we, can we not have... Um, uh, repudiation for our uh, um, uh, foreign policy happen um, on our doorstep and the people who were not connected to the Saudi regime said no you may not sir um, 
and they did say sir because that's how Saudi regimes work. Uh, we could. This is a whole can of worms. We could go a long time <laughs> on this one. Anyway, um, the Jeddah Cornish Circuit this year because we've had that bit of time between the the previous two ra- this race and the, and the previous race, the prior race has had a number of changes made to it. Um, I won't get into the details too much because this is a track that has. Uh, 27 <laughs> numbered turns on it so trying to figure out in your mind's eye right now which is which is probably going to be impossible but uh basically what's happened is around the uh start of the track turns eight and turn 10 have been widened this is the whole this is a very complex jiggery pokery first sector of the track this is the first sector there are basically like eight turns in the space of like 500 meters in this this weird track um and specifically this is this is where schumacher crashed last year yes you're right yes when he came out of that yeah so they've they've widened uh those they've also on the entrance to turn 14 and 10 they've basically changed the uh the turn slightly and also more than that they have opened up the visibility on the exit of it and the issue here was that on turn 15 and 21 that if a car had crashed nobody would see it until very very late mm. so that was the sort of biggest accident waiting to happen part of the track and we we talked about that when the, the, we did our first track walk back in 2021 that there was these very very fast blind corners which yeah. you tend not to get like if you think about monaco where all the fast parts of the track are they're either uphill where you're not going crazy crazy fast or it's the downhill part into the marina where you have the best visibility of the entire track so you tend not to have like blind fast corners um you could say the same thing with all the 90 degree turns in baku as well you don't tend to have blind turns um jetta you have loads of them because it's just wiggling around all over the place um so that's what they've done they've also had rumble strips here and there um, on it, and they've uh, they've uh, some new uh, curves on some of the corners here and there as well. But that's that's the basic changes. It'll be very hard for you to A B test it unless they do a video of it. But it's generally safer. Yeah, I'm apparently. seeing one here that they've they've actually tightened a turn, uh, twenty one through twenty three, to reduce cornering speeds, which is where Schumacher okay. crashed in twenty twenty one. Yes, you're right. Yeah, uh, on the way into the. The DRS chicken zone. So the, the other issue with, with Jeddah, and there was a lot of questioning whether or not they were going to change the DRS um, zones this year, um, was that there are three DRS zones. There's one at the end of Sector 2 in that wiggly part that they've opened up to make more safe. And then there's basically one on the start-finish straight and just prior to that on the penultimate turn. And we had these issues with Hamilton and... Uh, um, uh, why can I not remember... Max Verstappen's name, uh, Max and Hamilton having this weird DRS chicken moment where because there was two detection points and because the straight is quite far long that they were neither of them wanted to cross the DRS detection point the second uh-huh. time. So you had, so so um, they have apparently not changed any of that. So great, maybe maybe it's a moot point considering how good More the Red Bulls. More brake checks. Yeah, sorry, or brake checks, you're right, Jed. It's the silliness. That was a bad look for everyone, that whole thing was. Yeah. Um, uh, so, look, it might matter for the lead, but it could matter with, you know, the battle for second and third, which seems to be quite quite uh, healthy there. Um, 50 laps long, obviously less, uh, um, but, it, but like, still, it's a weirdly long track. It's 6.174 kilometers, which is about 3.84 miles. 
Um, fast, dangerous, probably safety cars. Let's hope everyone gets through okay. And that's where a lot of the sort of... The, the excitement from this one, if you're new to F1, I think comes a lot from the camera angles and just watching these cars go this fast through this track. It's kind of crazy. It's very wipe-outy. Um, and then the obvious, like, sort of anything can happen at any moment. And in the words of famous F1 commentators, usually does. Murray Walker-ism there. Um, the, you Is know, this also where Max crashed? On, like He was on an amazing yes, qualifying run yeah. and then just like last corner binned it. Yeah, exiting yeah. to turn 27. He must have been slowing down for the DRS detection point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, that's where that happened too. So yeah, we've, we've had a lot of drama here. Um, and in case I didn't mention it before, um, night race, right? Yes. 8 yeah, p.m. local race. time. Uh, it'll be about 82 degrees Fahrenheit out there with 35% Jesus. humidity or uh, 28 degrees Celsius uh, on both days, uh, qualifying and the race. At nighttime. Uh, at nighttime, Yeah. Um, wind Close getting up to well. around 11 miles an hour in qualifying day or 12, uh, sorry, nine miles an hour in qualifying day, 12 miles an hour on uh, race day. That is 14 kilometers and 19 kilometers an hour, respectively. Um, so that's your weather for Bahrain. Our driver standings, just to remind everyone, Max Verstappen is on top with 25 points, followed by Sergio Perez with 18. Fernando Alonso is in third with 15 points. Then Carlos signs in fourth with 12 lewis hamilton in fifth with 10 then in sixth place lance stroll with eight points george russell's in seventh with six points val Botas is in eighth with four pierre gasly's got two alex albon in tenth with one and then we've got yuki Tsunoda, logan Sargent, kevin magnuson nick devries nico holkenberg joe guanyu lando norris and three other people who are, are not even classified on the list because they did not finish the race they mm. all have zero in the constructor standings, Red Bull Racing is on top with 43 points. Aston Martin's in second with 23. Mercedes is in third with 16 points. And Ferrari in fourth with 12. Alfa Romeo's in fifth with four. Alpine's got two. Williams already has a point. They're in seventh place. Woo. Alpha Tauri's got zero. And so do Gene Haas and team. If you would like to join the standings yourself, we have a fantasy league. Mm. Yes, F1 fantasy sports. It's Ooh. happening. Uh, and you can join it using the link in the show notes. You can also send us an email over at shiftf1podcast.gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Danny, what sort of emails have people sent in? Uh, Rob, would you like to read this first one, please? Sure. Uh, Anna writes, hey, fellas, big fan of your show. Thank you for being the only F1 Motorsport podcast I can listen to, which is all male, but somehow not an embarrassing sausage factory. You have no idea what an accomplishment <laughs> that is, sadly. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Just what, FYI, uh, I have a friend who's an engineer at Aston Martin, and as far as he's aware, Lance did not do a full race sim simulation in the sim. Huh. Uh, however, what laps he did do, he did with a good amount of extra load on the wheel. I will give ah. him the benefit of the doubt and assume that Lawrence wasn't trying to dis deliberately mislead anyone, but just thought you might like to know. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Best. Wow. Yeah. Inside right. scoop. That Thanks is... so much. I like that. It's like weight. It's like it's like when you see people going for a run and they have like weights on their ankles and stuff. <laughs> well, it's like... most like, I mean, the you know, probably it's the real simple, like if you can handle like the, like loading up the wheel this much uh you'll be able to get through uh if you can't you can't but yeah i was uh interesting detail and in, on how they sort of rapidly got him race ready there you go cool uh, thanks anna uh, this next one comes in from paul um thanks to recent changes in the local media landscape here in out is this Aotearoa? have you ever heard of this place 
Out, good good uh, attempt. Yeah. Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, I now have access to uh, F1 TV Pro for pure entertainment value. So far in my house, we're sticking with the international feed, which for us is the Sky commentary team. Although for my money, the 90s Irish team of David Kennedy and Peter Collins, no relation. Also, hi, Danny. It's hard to beat. That said, the live F1 team is also very good. In particular, Sam Collins, also no relation, with the technical analysis segments. The 27 hours of pre-season testing with both teams hanging out and crossing back and forth was also great fun. So a question, as demanded by the forum. What are the pod's favorite commentary teams and have they always been? So I find this interesting because I am increasingly find myself going over to the sky or sorry the non-sky non-international uh, the f1 tv commentary yes commentary. the f1 tv commentary certainly for the pre-race what's st- well, the- jolian palmer so yeah jolian palmer and i forget the other guys alex jakes is it alex jakes i'm not no alex yeah. jakes is the one he's i know the, he's the play by play alex is jakes he? is play by play jolian okay. palmer is color and i think also is david coulthard there he has been here and there. And I think Buxton was on that team. I don't know. I haven't watched it this year. It would have been a smart move to move him. Like, he's just not a booth guy. Like, that was ultimately... Buxton? Like, yeah, I remember watching, uh, I think, early in the sort of the revamp. They had basically, like, him and Palmer uh, sort of shoutcasting the, the race, watching the world feed, and it was kind of rough. <laughs> so I think, am I, is it, hmm, I'm, I think it's Ben Edwards who does it. Because I, I like Alex Jakes. He does a lot of the F2 stuff, right? And other things like that. I think it's... Bring the PLC uh, back, you cheap bastards. I should do that. <laughs> but anyway, I found... Certainly for the the wider programming, like Sam Collins is amazing. And a lot of oh, those yeah. folks are like really, really good. So I find myself enjoying the, them. Um, yeah, they'll they'll break out sometimes uh, segments of Sam Collins's. So Sam Collins uh, does uh, a lot of technical deep dives yeah. on F1 TV. Like they'll do like... Uh, you know, on-demand segments that you can just watch about, like, here's what's up with a front wing. Um, yeah. But they'll break out some of those to YouTube. So if you see any of those on uh, F1's YouTube channel, you should check them out. Yeah, and of course with Palmer and his analysis videos, they do after every race as well. They're, yeah, they, they have longer versions on F1 TV. But I, I'll say this, I, the gap is, 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 what's the opposite of widening? Shortening? Narrowing. Yeah. Narrowing, yeah, I think, between the two. I'm starting well, So to, why are we turning on Crofty? I'm not turning on Crofty, but th- th- I feel like sometimes I don't need so much of the drama, maybe. You know? <laughs> and I like Brundle a lot, so that makes a big difference. I like, That's where I am. Yeah. I like Brundle a lot. I am yeah. neutral on Crofty. Yeah, I don't dislike him. I think I think he is. I think he does the play-by-play well. Yeah. Uh, you know what I think? really add much for me, though. I think something. I, I think something else. The the Sky team suffers from is they've got a deep bench, and like it's time mm. to maybe promote some people off of that bench. Like Karun Chandok is a really good presenter and a really good like he's really good at like talking motorsport and racecraft. And when he's in the booth, he's very very good, but he's sort of there <laughs> as an alternate. Um, I'm I'm always happy to go to the what the Sky Race Control and and hear from Ant, uh, but uh-huh. like it's it, like there there's a lot of like interesting people whose like racing knowledge is maybe more current, and are a little more like engaged with the task than uh, Crofty is at times, um, but yeah, yeah, I just no no one really puts you there quite like Brundle, you know yeah. like he 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 can convey. 
what it's like um, in a way that I haven't really heard anybody else do. So I think a bit of so for me, like it's it's tough. It, it is tough to look at these things and not just sort of the definitive teams are kind of who I grew up with. And so right. for me, when I started watching, uh, Speed Vision was the American <laughs> channel. Ooh. That carried F1, uh, which is endearing, like mid '90s cable TV, where the idea was that, like, you know, it'd be the History Channel, where like Dad would watch like documentaries about World War II, and then Speed Vision was where you just like watch all the racing that wasn't being carried by like ABC Sports, uh, for for instance. That didn't work out, but it was very cute <laughs> that they that they tried. One of the things they picked up because you get the rights kind of for a song back then was was F1. And the team they uh, got for it was largely intact, um, like through the NBC Sports era. Uh, it oh, was, was it like, Diffie? No, or... he was the, he was the late joiner. Uh, it was Bob okay. Varsha was the oh, play by play, of course. And then it was David Hobbs and Steve Matchett. And Steve Matchett yeah. was like recently retired from being a mechanic with Benetton and Renault. Uh, and David Hobbs was had been an F1 driver a long time before, but he'd been a long, he'd been in like sports car racing for, in like for the sixties or something. Like the guy, the guy has cred. <laughs> the guy, exactly. The guy had tons of cred. And like, you know, certainly in the nineties, he was also the thing you need to know. I think if you watch a lot of American sports is that the commentators are excruciatingly deferential uh, to the point of almost being like groveling. We're like every manager is good and smart. Every play, you know, oh, just, yeah, it, yeah, the yeah, league yeah. is always, like is always great. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And so the idea of David Hobbs being my first exposure to like a type of very British, <laughs> like sports co- commentator, right. who's just like, this guy sucks. Uh, but like <laughs> yeah. in sometimes the most condescending and cruel ways, like oh. David Hobbs decided early that Rolf Schumacher was just like poor man's off-brand Michael Schumacher. He kind of was. And he, (laughs) for a long time, he made just ghastly mistakes uh, up and down. And so he just started calling him, oh, there's poor old Ralph Schumacher in the kitty litter. Uh, Oh, shit. Let's see what, let's see what he's done now. Pull up the, pull up the replay. And like very acerbic, very like calls it as he sees it. And that, and that, that casting crew was great and was intact for uh, years until ESPN got the rights and just took the sky feed over entirely. For me, that's like a, that was a definitive uh, team for me for, for ages. And like they did, they did get a bit past their prime. Like they, they went yeah. from middle age to becoming old men uh, as, as I listened to them. And they were less current, less incisive, incisive. But that happens to all of us. Yeah. I, so when I started watching, I was watching the NBC Sports broadcast of Formula One. And it was that team, except they had swapped out uh, Bob Varsha for uh, Lee Diffie, who now does IndyCar. Uh, and I guess in a weird bit of symmetry, I know Bob Varsha from IndyCar in the 90s. Like, that's he's kind of the voice of the racing that I knew, too. Funny. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, but I, I, you still get to hear Lee Diffie. You know, I, I, and I do hear in my head uh, Steve Matchett sometimes. Oh, yeah. When, um, when, like, two cars are chasing each other, he'd always be like, come on, son, you can do it. Like he was always very kind oh, of the I opposite, it. I guess, of David. Ops. He would he would he'd be watching, he'd be timing the pit stops with stopwatches just at home for fun. He just <laughs> yeah, lived, yeah. he just lived for this shit. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just, also a big fan of World War II. If you follow him on Twitter, just loves it. Big fan. He loved oh, it. Yeah. He thought it was a great war. He's yeah, posting YouTube videos war. now. Uh, Is he? He's got he's got an interview with Gunther. 
uh, up oh, there fantastic. from the week the weekend. So Steve is Steve is in the uh, alt media game now. Great. Uh, just to clarify, Alex Jakes, uh, Johnny and Palmer, and James Hinchcliffe doing the international. Is it Hinchcliffe? Yeah. Wow. Uh, awesome. Doing, uh, All right. So, and it, Hell my yeah. other, and I, this is this is a little bit for Drew. Although Rob, you can probably um, appreciate this as well. Do you remember like the whole like they don't get on with each other thing you get when you work at a video game website where like there's two people presenting yeah. and the comments oh, the audience are like, always oh, thinks that they yeah, that you hate each other. Yeah. I have that with um <laughs> with Will Buxton and Laura Winter. I can't tell. <laughs> If they actually Look, like, it. hang on. <laughs> Will Buxton is eminently hateable. Like, yeah, well, so my worry is that, like, yeah, I can't tell if he's, because like he was like the presenter of everything, and then like they kind of do, they kind of hand the mic around a lot between mm. you know him and her and uh, uh, Lawrence Barreto, right? And I can't, but, but I can't tell. It's one of those things where it's kind of, it's like, it's a worm in my but, brain now, and I can't. Danny, I'm like, do they get on? Will or not? I can't was tell. the was the trackside reporter for Speed. Like, he was part of that broadcast crew originally, and the vibes were fucking weird back then. Because (laughs) I remember, like, I think Steve Matchett and David Hobbs hate this guy. Like, because he was, because that thing he does for Drive to Survive where he's, like, smile at the camera, give you the saucy little, like, gossipy interpretation of, like, like, what is otherwise, like, pretty anodyne news. And try to like stoke it into drama, and there'd just be a lot of times where the where the like uh, casting desk was not having it, where they're like, "I don't see that situation oh, really? in that light at all." Well, uh, like it's, I don't blame him for it. I think he's like he's really good at like am- yeah. getting you excited, and he clearly loves the sport, and he's clearly like dedicated himself to it. But I yeah, I can't I I I just can't tell if it could be a situation where some sometimes people certain people aren't a good second seat yeah. and they sort of over they take a little bit too much of the space I can't tell if that's what it is but I watch, every time I watch it I'm like I hope they all get on but I can't tell <laughs> I really can't tell so should I take this was, next one yes please Drew uh, the subject it is unsigned but the subject is hauling Aston I'm oh, sorry I'll find that find that out you keep going uh, the message is when was the last time a team made such a huge leap from season to season that wasn't part of a regulations change. I've been watching for about a decade and movement always seems to come from teams falling apart, not making huge gains. This is from Ryan. Uh, I, I'm right there with you, Ryan. I can only really remember teams going in the opposite direction. The only one I've ever really heard about um, was Braun. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be my answer, yeah. but that's a regulation change. Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, wasn't, because I wasn't even watching F1 during that The time. whole issue with Braun was 2009? Uh, yeah, 2008 was with Honda, and they had a shitty campaign. I was looking this up uh, before we had a little technical difficulty. Uh, Honda finished one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They finished eighth in the Constructors uh, cha- uh, Championship. And... That's when Honda pulled the plug. Recession was happening, mm-hmm. and they were like, "the the vibes of us running an F one team are not great right now, so we're gonna we're gonna bail." And Braun got uh, like enough of a consortium together to you know buy the team out and run it as Braun. But the key insight he had was that he had figured out there was a gap in the rules. Uh, the blow. This is the the blown diffuser. Yeah. Uh, scandal that like defined the next year, which was that because I think he'd also been a technical consultant on the rules, so there's always a bit of a like, hmm. did he carve himself out a loophole that he <laughs> like drove a championship dominating car through? 
Like Love it's it. it's tough to say, but like yeah, they had had a really middling campaign uh, one year, and then the next year they uh, like tore everyone apart. But it was because they had an arrow thing that was permitted under the regulations that nobody else had anticipated. Yeah. So to to Ryan's question, yeah, I mean, they're probably it, but it's only been one race. It's only been one yeah. race. <laughs> But you know there probably has been, but like it, they leapt from like ninth to fifth, yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. and no one noticed. Well, so this is the thing. I feel like for me, I would say Renault jumped about quite a bit. McLaren, uh, like they were terrible, and then they got fourth. It was like over three, two seasons of a bit, wasn't it's it? A, yeah. No, but they were pretty at. They're pretty at sea, and then the rally, yeah. the rally happened mm. pretty. Pretty quickly. The Van Dorn years. Decent pick. <laughs> Unstoppable. Uh, yeah, but no, it's a it, it's a good point. I think it also it, some of this just looks weird because of what you have as a simultaneous like plummeting of some other teams as Aston has made some real gains. Yeah, true. So you get a bit of like a relative motion yeah. that seems way more dramatic because like it's rare that you have not only a team make this kind of like advance. But then also Ferrari and um, especially Mercedes seem to be struggling to maintain contact with with Red Bull. With caveat, it's been one race. Yeah. Uh, Next email comes in from uh, Mikaela, who says, Hello, gentlemen. I have become a fan of F1 last year through the reels and memes a friend sent me. Uh, sent to me and Lily Herman's Choosing Sides F1 podcast. I found your podcast right after I finished Lily Herman's and have since listened to the last two seasons worth. I've absolutely... Thank did. you, Michaela. Thank we you. appreciate your listening. I have... Uh, you're welcome, Drew. I have absolutely enjoyed your <laughs> podcast and I appreciate all the work you put into it. In episode 217, you wanted to take on what I think you look like. Oh, yes! I'm really sorry if I offend you. <laughs> Here goes. So I'm going to do my one. Okay. And then Drew, you can do yours, and then Rob, right. you can do yours, okay? okay. Here's my one. <laughs> Fair skin that burns easy. easy. Nah, okay, well, on. that's come a given. Come on, come on. <laughs> that's a given. Come on, come on. <laughs> what, gets drunk on March 17th every year? Come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, some awesome wavy curls in his hair that hide the fact that hair product is overrated and maybe blue eyes slash hazel eyes. Hmm. There. They look blue to me. I grew up a curly hair. Not so much anymore. Yeah, wavy. wavy. Yeah, wavy. Pretty wavy. Yeah. Right. His laugh sounds like it would come out of a face not too similar to Greg Davies. Not too dissimilar. Greg Davies. Not too dissimilar. He's a look. British uh, comedian um, okay. gentleman. I wouldn't say I look like him. No, no, I can see it. I can see it. It's got this bit of Nor- Norman in me, probably. I mean, Andrew yeah. Norman. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. I dare argue he is on the verge of slightly smiling as he's talking, like that's his resting mode. Uh, maybe slightly curled inwards or hunched inwards. Probably has an appreciation for cardigans or zip-up sweaters, mm. as well as dark circles under his eyes. <laughs> okay, I don't... <laughs> Do we need yeah. that? We got that. We got hook, line, and sinker, and not just because it's half eight here. Not, not the cardigans, though. More of a... No. This, more of a black this, hoodie, so this man. is where the Irish stereotyping maybe went away. Yeah, that's uh, true. Got, got away from, from us. Uh, all in all, sounds like half the actors on the BBC and wouldn't be surprised if he was in Shakespeare and uh, Hathaway or Father Brown. There you go. I've done some Shakespeare. There you go. <laughs> Never acted, but, you know, whatever. Acted in a Shakespeare. Um, Drew Scanlon, you're up next. All right. Drew S. 
He sounds super peppy and gives off golden retriever retriever <laughs> vibes. So his Love hair it. is like that too to me. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, longish and a bit wavy. You know, it used to be much longer. I yeah. recently cut used it. To be, yeah, it was very long for a very long time. Think less chaotic version of Vettel in 2022. Wow. Which means that a beard stubble style thing needs to happen on the face to match all this right this is so on point i'm beginning I, to suspect that yeah the that's at this stage i'm like <laughs> not so sure she hasn't yeah go on. honestly i'm picturing a cross between sebastian fettel and wesley from the princess bride wow huh. see that i actually have gotten a lot of people like in my mentions whenever i do the meme thing of okay. i thought this was the princess bride guy wow so maybe michaela is cheating I, I uh, like maybe it. that's rude, but here we are. He sounds like he'd be very physic, he'd be very f- physically hand movements, etc., and facially expressive. I see uh, when talking, but then also active when waiting to speak. Uh, hmm, what does that mean? I would, like, I, oh, mm, hey, I, I just, you are, yeah. you're not like that at all. You're 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 stoic in your movements. I feel mm. like you're um you're reserved in your movements. He probably sits on the front part of his chair when speaking. Uh, I don't, but I do sit straight up. I'm not leaning back in yeah. my chair. Uh, baseball caps are a win, and so are monochrome T-shirts. I am wearing a monochrome V-neck right now. He wears a baseball cap when he goes to have one races. Mm. It's true. My Williams cap. Uh, I think you became a meme. Yes, I did, Michaela. <laughs> I did. One never So stopped. she's seen the meme, presumably. Being a meme. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, so I feel like very st- strong for both. Uh, yeah. Rob, you're, Rob uh, you're, let's see if she gets the, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit here. <laughs> <laughs> the voice gives big beard energy, and I'm going to be sad well, if you don't have an awesome beard. Well, hair is probably short it. and brunette. It's long-ish, uh, more mm-hmm. than short, but uh, it is it is dark. Uh, salt and pepper these days, though. Uh, tall, actually, salt and pepper since my twenties, so I feel less bad about it because it was like I, like no sooner I've been like I can drink than Amen, it was brother. like. Uh, okay, gray hair is starting to come yeah. right in. I was 19 <laughs> when my first ones came in, so wow. I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah. Uh, tall but built like a dwarf from Middle Earth or Ronin from SGA with a resting serious face. Ronin, what's SGA? SGA? SGA, Ronin. Gotta look up Ro- who's a- Ronin Dex from, St- oh my God, from Stargate, Stargate Atlantis. Atlantis. There's a- <laughs> That's- Stargate Atlantis has not... Does not have the reach that it gets a three-letter acronym. Oh, you know, SGA. SGA. Uh, with a resting serious face. He's expressive with his face in a way that gets you called on in class because you seem ready to share your point. Very true. Physically relaxed and leaning back. Wait, is that just Jason Momoa? Is it? It looked like him a little bit. Or is Jason Momoa trying to be him because they were like, this is a definitive Played by Jason Momoa. Oh my God, it is. You're right. Okay. (laughs) Well, there we go. Okay. Wow. Uh, Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think glasses were mentioned, but I go with the horn rim style. Nope. Polos with jackets or a nice t-shirt. Uh, also, no. Uh, tend to be tend to be sweaters uh, mm. or like uh, like or a nice robe. Or, or yeah, yeah, the smoking jacket is a thing that's happened from time to time. Mm. Loves a Christmas tree. <laughs> that's great. Is it, we, is uh, it still up? We can't tree. see it anymore. Is it still up? That's a yes. Still up, Danny. It's still up. At this stage, you just got to like Turns out completing the office dark. didn't... We didn't suddenly <laughs> unlock the place where we're like, ah, this is where we store our... Like, this is our first year with an artificial tree. And we were like, we can't right. have a real tree, which was a smart decision. But we never actually got to the, what will we do when we no longer have need of this tree out? 
Thank you, everyone, Sorry. for sending in. I, I took a peek. There, there were some other ones. Uh, you know what? What you think we look like, and, and they're they're all really fun. So thank you for sending them in. Yeah, I appreciate it, folks. Uh, and the last one here from JB in Pittsburgh. I'll do it quick. I'm very excited. This is my first F1 season. I have many questions. The one question I have to ask, admittedly, isn't related to racing at all. But what is up with the mics the commentary crew is using? They look so different to anything I've ever seen. And considering each of your work backgrounds, I thought you might be able to explain their purpose and why they're not using a normal mic setup. Why does it have that little flap blocking their nose? I know this is a weird thing to get fixated on out of the gate. Um... Uh, is it just uh, wild to me and I just need oh, it's just, it was wild to me and I just needed to ask so I have I wondered about this in the past and that's why I know what a lip ribbon microphone is so ah. if you've ever if you've Wait, ever did they seen change these... their mic setup recently because I feel like I was noticing their their mics uh, recently and I hadn't before I don't know but I know these are used in lots of sporting events they're used in soccer all the time they're used in F1 I imagine because of the noise and they're used oftentimes when commentary uh, boots are inside stadiums uh, so it's called a lip ribbon microphone and it's a special type of microphone that is designed to within the hardware do noise cancellation so the reason it has a little thing on the front is to basically make sure that the user of the microphone holds it on their lip that's why it has that little thing because your mouth has to be speaking directly into the chamber for the noise cancellation to work inside of it there are kind of i forget i think they're called the ribbons there's two sensors basically and inside the mic as well there is baffling so there is sound baffling which is like the sort of soundproof stuff you see in voiceover booths inside of that chamber and then uh, they understand where the voice is coming based on the fact that it hits the front and back of that chamber at a certain rate. And it's able to cancel based on the fact that exterior noise is hitting both of those at the same time, probably, because it's coming from further, or it's coming from an angle that isn't directly into the front of the chamber. So that's okay. what those microphones are for. They're like, it's, it's basically... It's like triangulating, oh, this, yes. is the, this is what you want. It okay. hit here and here, we want that. And then yeah. everything else, we're going to get you out, basically. Um, so that's why they're able to, like, you know, they're talking into these microphones that are like, right up there, sort of front of their faces. It's really cool. So, yeah, it, it would have been, like, and they're pretty, like, they've used them in sports. And I grew up in, like, I remember watching, you know, soccer in the early 90s, and they had these things. So the, it's a pretty, like, old piece of tech, but it, like, super works. I found an article saying that it was invented by the BBC in the 30s, Really? To block out noise generated by the crowd at sporting events such as cricket. Yeah, that makes and I sense. Did find, uh, I did find one on bnhphotovideo.com. How much? $900. Wow. A steal. Yes. Yeah. Not Cole's microphones, 4104 PTT commentator's ribbon microphone. There you go. Just imagine. Yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want one. <laughs> I was so happy when I saw that email because I was like, that also used to bug me. And I know what that is because I looked it up a few years I ago. I wondered about, I always figured it was something about like it would, because I saw them at like soccer matches so often. I was like, yeah. it's got to be for dealing with crowd noise. But I had no idea that just with the construction of the chamber, <laughs> it was doing noise canceling and like noise canceling from the 30s that's like, Better than a lot of yeah. like shit you'd be doing with like <laughs> signal processing after yeah. the fact. Like that's wild. It's so cool. That's what happens, I guess, when you have a like publicly funded broadcaster. You could just send a team off here to like invent a new team. Here, of figure microphone. this out. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Danny. I learned something today. No worries. Thanks, JB, for the question. 
Uh, all right. Well, that's us. Uh, emails, shift to phone podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Uh, if you, if you don't want to, if you want to be anonymous about it, you can just use the form. Mm. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter and Mastodon. Uh, we're also there individually, uh, at Drew Scanlon, at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the world. Should we take it around the world? <laughs> <laughs> Let's race around the world. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, <clears throat> the World Rally Championship is in Guana, Guanajuato in Mexico. I do. Do you Guanajuato? <laughs> Guanajuato. Was Watto a character in Star Wars? Yep, that is the flying Episode bug one? guy who owns yeah. Anakin Skywalker and his mom. Oh, God, the, the uh, child a, labor a, man. And a stack of awkward stereotypes. He uh, is a bit, yeah, he is, yeah, I was thinking that with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a racing connection there. Race Pod racing connection. There is indeed. Race. Well, and... You know they use they uh, like mixed F one car noises like I think there was like In the V twelve noises uh, nice. for the pod racing noises. Nice. And that kid grew up to be Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> no, uh, regrettably that kid grew up to be Darth Vader. Um, like there's a whole there's like two movies about it. Wizard. It's good shit. Uh, the World Endurance Championship is at Sebring. International Raceway in Sebring, Florida, for for the for, for the in Florida for the one thousand miles of Sebring. Oh, it's quick interjection about endurance racing. Did y'all see Please. the scandal about the winner of the day, uh, the Daytona Twenty Four was faking tire pressure data? Uh, what Meyer Shank Racing had their winnings uh, vacated, uh, their points vacated. They're going to keep the win in the record books, but they like fired their head engineer because he was like intentionally. I have not looked into it. Like I don't know exactly wow. how they were deriving Inflate advantage. Gauge? Yeah, like dude, the like this is the meme that's going around is that in like endurance racing circles, this is like Deflategate. Uh, this is wow. them like cooking tire to, to, information for performance for performance this, gains. This podcast is too long, but also there's a lot of scam uh, scams, a lot of um, madness going on in the world of F1 esports because of all the cheating as well. So, oh right, that dude who posted it. his uh, yeah, the guy, folder of secrets, and then it was like, like I'm involved in top <laughs> secret investigation. <laughs> he alt tabbed it, and it was like a bunch of hacks. And then his Twitter post was like, actually, I'm working with Codemasters and EA to find the hack, to <laughs> test the <laughs> hacks. <laughs> And was Codemasters like, um... Si- radio silence. Not so. a good sign. Not a no. good sign. Amazing. Not good. Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, also at Sebring for the Mobile One. 12 hours of Sebring. We've got... Craftsman Trucks! <laughs> are back at the Atlanta Motor Speedway in Hampton, Georgia for the Freight FR8. Oh, no. 208. Hell yeah. yeah. Is that, it's is just that like a, the is state that a of the coin? Is it, <laughs> is it a uh, coin? Also, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Raptor, in all caps. Oh my gosh. King of Tough 250. <laughs> I love this franchise. My favorite movie franchise. I haven't seen King of Tough yet, but Raptor is <laughs> terrific. Spin off from the Jurassic Park world. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Formula 2 will be supporting Formula 1 in Jeddah. Woo! And we got NASCAR. Oh my! Are you Raptors? No, but uh, if you if you are gnawed on by a raptor, <laughs> and then and then taken to the hospital, you, you're you're gonna say 
after they fix you up. I am better. <laughs> Health 400. Oh, dear Lord. I'm, <clears throat> I'm better. Am better. Am better. Are they an uh, insurance You better? Company? I'm better. I, yeah, I'm better. Sure. Is that that's a company called I'm Better? I'm Better. Yep. It's like that The Way You Are song when Timberland does the the way I are, where you're like, your brain goes, what? That's not how you say words. I'm better. Anything goes in song. That's uh, true. Formula One, maybe you've heard of it. The Saudi Arabian Grand Prix at the Jeddah Cornish Circuit kicks off Friday, March 17th. Free practice one at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, Ooh. followed by free practice two at 1 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN News. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, March 18th. Free practice three is at 9.30 a.m. on ESPN2. And same deal, qualifying 1 p.m. on ESPN News. And then Sunday, everyone, March 19th, the race, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. It's a very watchable time. It is. I think. That's yeah. 10 a.m. on this coast. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tune in. I'm on the road for the next few weeks, but uh, I'll still be on the pod. Apologies about oh, my great. mic last week. It sounded better when I was recording it, but and nobody complained. But I wasn't happy with it. You know, hmm. as a, as an AV so pro, got, I gotta get one of those lip ribbon. Yeah, an expensive eight hundred dollar microphone. Sure, I mean, it only works if there's background noise. So we're gonna have to like get some get just some dogs to wail or something. Yeah. yeah, I'll just play some loud metal music in the background. Uh, that's mm. what's going on the days of this weekend. Um, but maybe you're wondering, Danny. The book's not here. I can't oh, see it. No. Oh no, I see it. I see it. Do I? No, that's. Uh, well, on this day in F1 history, Danny O'Dwyer fucked up his bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like scanning the room. I can't believe I brought it to Washington. And we I didn't, didn't leave it, it there. We're gonna have to overnight you before no, the next. No, oh God, could you? Could you imagine? I have to go back. I have to drive the 14 hours back up to, back up to Kitsap County. Yeah, I thought I saw it, but it was a pair of, uh, I haven't got my glasses on, it was a pair of chopsticks. <laughs> well, it's not a well, book. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Next time, next you time. gotta read both. Yeah, we'll do both, yeah. Uh, final thoughts to any ahead of Saudi Arabia. Uh, looking forward to seeing what other teams have decided to throw in the towel after this weekend. Um, <laughs> it should be a fun time. Uh, yeah, if they uh, all do it. Hey, exactly. Nobody, well, everyone wins. Back to being um, fun. Hope, hope it's a fun race, hope it's a safe race. That's all I'll say for Jeddah. Hopefully yes. it's all right, you know, whatever. Uh, Rob, final thoughts? Uh, so if you look up Ambetter's uh, parent company, Centene, uh, you'll discover all sorts of cool things about what this not-quite-insurance company, uh, definitely not a medical care provider, has been, has mm. been up to. Uh, it's, always, it's always fun just to see, like, who's sponsoring these, these NASCAR races? What are they up to? Sometimes it's people who want you to take up bowling, and that's like the good vibes version of this. I would say Centene's Wikipedia page is less good vibes. Hmm. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> stay tuned for the emus. We still got the emus coming up. I hope so. Uh, well, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. <laughs>